This is cold. Learn how to tell stories in logic. My God. <laughs> You're so vicious so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a, lie. that's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hole. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Oh, uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing fantastic, Cole. It's a great day. I'm excited because it is bracket day. We get to do another bracket, and we're discussing probably the... We've probably gone back the furthest we've ever gone, and we're going to go to the 80s, and we're going to solidify who the best 80s wrestler in the 80s era was. Cole, I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm very excited, and usually we would dilly-dally a little bit today, but we have an incredible orator with us today, and an expert on 1980s wrestling with us today is the genius himself, Mr. Lanny Poffo. Uh, the pleasure is all mine, and I'm very excited because, as you probably heard about me, I am very easily excited. <laughs> Well, the feeling is very mutual. I am just uh, tickled and privileged and honored that you're here, sir. Thank you so much for your time. I also proved earlier that I wasn't quite the genius that you hoped I was when I was having trouble getting the audio and video together. But we're here. <laughs> we're not queer, but we're close. Get used to it. <laughs> I, got right. that from, I got that from South Park. When oh, they did that, a metrosexual yeah. uh, uh, segment. So we're here. We're not queer, but we're close. Get used to it. <laughs> I love it. South Park is one of my favorite shows. I think those guys are really brilliant. And they have Respect a, a... my authority. Yes, sir. <laughs> so uh, so since we're doing a bracket today, this is the first time. Uh, now, it has been fun. We have had my, my sister, Candice LeRae, on the show. And we put her in the awkward position of being up against Degeneration X in a bracket. So she had to vote. Um, or, or try to explain why she was better than DX, and that's great. Um, so we do have the Darso rule, ladies and gentlemen. So if, if, if one of us is outvoted, we can overrule the other two and move our guy all the way through, except for in the finals. In the finals, the vote stands as it were. Uh, so before we get started, do you have any questions, Lanny? Yes. <laughs> I have a question. Would you... <laughs> um, how long have you guys been doing this? Uh, we just celebrated our one year anniversary uh, last month of doing this podcast. And, uh, and when we set out to do this podcast, we wanted to have fun. I had done a few podcasts before this where we talked about current wrestling and this and that. And sometimes that would get negative because, then, you know, you're talking about people that are making a living right now and out there working hard. And, you know, you don't want to be talking negatively about their matches and this and that. So we decided let's have fun, go back to when we were fans. And we have what is kind of a quasi-fantasy wrestling podcast. We do fun things like fantasy drafts, and then we put together a card, and then we have guests like yourself to judge and pick a winner. Um, but brackets are one of our favorite things because we get to debate and the judges get to argue with us. So, Okay, let's do it. All right. Up first, Ronald. Hulk Hogan taking on 
the Iron Sheik. Who you got, Ron? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I this was before my time that when it actually happened. But, you know, I mean, how do you how do you argue against Hulkamania at this time? So I'm just going to, you know, rip it off like a Band-Aid and just go go with Hulk Hogan here. Hawk Tui to the Iron Sheik. <laughs> now, the Iron Sheik's one of those people I think has become more of a cult favorite uh, now with his personality outside of the ring. Uh, he's fantastic follow on Twitter. I mean, his tweets are something else. And uh, but I mean, he was an incredibly talented wrestler, an Olympian, uh, you know, just a phenomenal shoot wrestler. And uh, it, this there, there's this great story that goes around about him being offered, you know, hundred thousand dollars to beat Hogan. Um, but he did business and launched Hulkamania. I think he did a great job. So he deserves uh, the respect and love. But uh, I think I got to go with Hulkamania here, too. So um, we'll turn it to Lanny, see what he has to say. Definitely Hulkamania rules. And um, it was very nice of the Iron Sheik to go ahead and do the favor and launch Hulkamania, which is still running wild. Absolutely. Uh, so that very easy. All in agreement. Moving on to the next matchup. This one's fun for me uh, because uh, I absolutely adored this man even when I was an eight-year-old boy. Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful, taking on Mil Mascaris, Ronald. Oh, see, I got to go I got to go with Mr. Wonderful here. Uh, one of the best pile drivers you'll ever see, even, and it holds up to this day. So I'm going Mr. Wonderful, Cole. All right, uh, Lanny. Um, I'm going to go with Mr. Wonderful, too, but may I add a little footnote? Absolutely. Um, you can please. do whatever you want. <laughs> well, Mil Miskatis is still alive. Yes. And uh, Paul Orndorff, unfortunately, passed away. Um, I believe he would put the chewing tobacco in his mouth. And uh, that's problematic. And then I was very disappointed to see he was yet another deceased wrestler that had to do a GoFundMe. And uh, I had no idea that he was in that situation. Um, but I have to say, in the time I knew him, he was his nickname was Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> he never smiled. He never laughed. He was always angry. And, um, you know, just accept him as he was. But uh, I have to go with uh, Paul Orndorff beating Neil Mascaras. And by the way, I don't know if you speak Spanish, but I'm here in Ecuador. Mil Mascaris means thousand masks. Yes, and I love all the colorful masks. This was one of the first, um, you know, kind of luchadors I did a kind of a deep dive on, and 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 he's he's kind of he's kind of like The Rock is right now, where he made movies and he was a superstar outside of just professional wrestling in Mexico, and um, you know, there there's all kinds of fun stories about mill Mascaris, he wrestled for like six decades something along those lines so guys that i came up in the business with actually wrestled mill Mascaris. so um i i love and respect him but uh, paul orndorff was one of the guys when i was an eight-year-old and discovered professional wrestling that got me hooked and i watched wcw every week to see him defend the television title and he has a special place in my heart so another clean sweep do you, do you know do you know who was uh, the forerunner of Mio Mascaris uh, in Mexico? Uh, El Santo, I do believe, 
uh, there you go. was before Mill. Yes. Yes. El yes. Santo did so many movies. Yes. Um, 152. We did. We we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He did 152 movies. And you know El what Santo. El Santo means in Spanish? The Saint. Very good. <laughs> my my wife is Mexican, uh, so I do have a little bit of that in my background. I did want to ask you, since we're here, um, what was it that led you to Ecuador? Well, about ten years ago, um, there was a wrestling promoter in Quito, Ecuador that brought me in to um, do a seminar for his uh, wrestlers. And uh, afterwards, as part of the payoff, he, uh, him and his wife took me all around in Ecuador. And I thought to myself, someday I'm going to retire here. Um, and then when my brother passed away, my mother was still alive, so I took care of her for six years. And then when she finally passed away at the age of 90, um, then I became a grandfather. So I didn't want to leave then. But then when COVID hit, I thought, now's the time. So I, um, and I love it here. And I'm going to visit my daughter and grandchildren um, in the first week of October. I, thanks to video chatting, um, I'm, I'm in their lives. I'm in their faces. Yeah, that's been a blessing for me because uh, I've only got to spend about a day with my nephew. Uh, but since, you know, with all the, the wonderful technological advances, I get to watch my nephew grow up from afar, even though my sister and her husband are all the way across the country. So, all right. That's right. Moving on. This one's where things start to get a little tough. I have no idea which way I'm leaning. So I'll let you guys uh, argue with me. Dusty Rhodes taking on the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Ronald. Ooh. See now, do I go with like, do I go with like one of my favorite baby faces of the era or one of the best heels of the era? You know, that's that's where I'm at. Like, who did the better job of their of their role? Oh, uh, it's almost kind of sacrilege for us, for you and I, to <laughs> eliminate Dusty. Um, so I'm gonna go with Dusty and Lanny. I'm gonna have to go with Dusty Rhodes. Because he literally changed the business, you know, and where not nothing against Ted DiBiase, he's phenomenal, but Dusty Rose in the seventies was the man. Absolutely, uh, his his matches at Madison Square Garden with uh, superstar Billy Graham are absolutely incredible and historic still to this day. And uh, but he also on you know was one of the guys who really changed tv um for a territory type you know situation where you know vince had the the vince mcmahon had the idea to take it national but dusty like his finishes and his stories and and making things larger than life uh i still think has influence on the business today so i agree dusty Rhodes moving on i do want to say something i don't think a person should be a booker and a wrestler. <laughs> that, I agree. <laughs> I, I think you need one booker and one wrestler. Otherwise, um, the selfishness will prevail. Absolutely. All right. M next matchup. Now, this is uh, probably th these guys would be arguably two of the 
best bell-to-bell performers of the era, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. Um, I will go first on this one. Um, We've actually talked about Ricky Steamboat quite a lot on the show recently, uh, where we had a guest on who, who... said just sacrilegiously said that Ricky Steamboat was not a good worker and we lambasted him for weeks and he actually went and did a deep dive on Ricky Steamboat and we changed his mind. So <laughs> I'm good on Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Um so for me, oh man, this is tough. I, I just I think for me, um Mr. Perfect was another another one of those like really technically sound bad guys that got me hooked on the business um, when I was a kid. And then later in life, I really discovered Ricky Steamboat and went back and and came to appreciate how great he was. Um, so for me, I think I'm going to go with, with my childhood memories and I'm going to give Mr. Perfect the edge. Ronald. See, I'm kind of on the same boat. Mr. Perfect kind of speaks to my childhood and fandom, but, you know, wrestling history would dictate that in that trilogy, he, uh, Ricky Steamboat have a flair is just will never not be talked about. And I think I think for that and among other things, I think I'm going to have to go with Ricky Steamboat on this. All, one. all right. We have our first deciding vote here. Mr. Lanny Poffo. Well, that's going to be very difficult for me because. I love them both. And uh, if I were a fan, I would love them both. And who was better? Oh, boy, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to have to flip a coin, and I'm going to say, give it to Mr. Perfect. All right. Not mad at that at all. How can you be mad at that? Right. Okay, now this one might be a little bit easier, but... When we consider how big of a star Kerry Von Erich was in Dallas and uh, big enough of a star to to win a world championship, but he's up against Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, so for me, this is this one's I got to go towards Roddy Piper. Ronald. Yeah, I mean, well documented on our show. Have I sang the praises of Roddy Piper? I think, you know, uh, to put together a good wrestling match, a good wrestling feud. I think the, the baby face is only as good as his adversary. And I don't think Hulkamania would be as monumental without Piper being that like headlining first WrestleMania foe. And really Piper is just the end all be all of heels for me. Uh, so yeah, we're in agreement. I got to go Piper. All right, Lanny. Okay, for me, this is an easy choice, Roddy Piper. Absolutely. All right. No explanation needed. I love <laughs> well, it. I could, I could explain. Um, who's the best interview in the business? Uh, Kevin, uh, I mean, uh, Kerry Von Erich or Roddy Piper? <laughs> no Definitely question. Piper. The, only, the only thing Kerry Von Erich had on Piper was the physique. Yes. Okay, but when the bell rang, who gave you the best show? It was always Piper. Uh, I I I would say lights on. Who gave you the best show? No matter what, it was definitely Rowdy Roddy Piper. I we're total agreeance on this one. Now this is interesting. This next matchup is interesting uh, because as we do here, we don't really have hard hard rules. So um, this is our first match featuring a tag team, 
against a singles individual. Jerry the King Lawler taking on the fabulous Freebirds. Ronald. Mm. See, don't the Freebirds claim to be the first uh, first entity in wrestling to have theme music? They, they definitely <laughs> were one of the first, yes. One of the first. Yeah, uh, I mean, Freebirds, they were fun. I love Michael P.S. Hayes. That whole package was great, but you can't you can't discredit Jerry Lawler and what he did in uh, in Memphis and what he still means to Memphis. Uh, I actually went back and watched the empty arena match between uh, him and Terry Funk the other day, and I still think that it can't be touched amongst the garbage wrestling, all the hardcore matches that you see today, uh, just because of how great the story was. And there was no audience to work to. It was just all them just telling a story. And if you can like grab me, even in today's uh, uh, climate, with a match like that, I'm going Jerry Lawler on this one. Okay. Jerry Lawler drew in Memphis and in Louisville and wherever else 52 weeks in a row. Every year, every year, year after year, it was always Jerry Lawler versus somebody, and it worked. Before him, it was uh, Jackie Fargo in the same position. And when you can come back to the same town 52 times a year and still keep it fresh, you must be great. Now, the Freebirds are also great, but um, were they the first people to enter the ring to music? No. No. Um, Even the, the original Gorgeous George came out to pomp and circumstance. Okay? Boom, 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 boom. Um, and uh, no, Jerry Lawler, I cannot knock success. I would love to knock him because in the dark side of the ring or whatever it was, he, um, and Randy's biography, he, um, he gave like marital advice to Randy with yeah. Elizabeth. Wow. The man has been married and divorced several times. <laughs> I am a I am a divorced man. I don't give marital advice. That takes a lot of guts to be a total failure in the world of marriage. And he'll probably get married again and divorced again before it's over. Because you see, the secret to a happy marriage is still a secret to me, but I don't <laughs> profess to give advice about it. Boy, Jerry Lawler giving marital advice. That's like me giving advice on dieting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what he's and he said he said that uh Randy locked Elizabeth in the dressing room. Elizabeth locked the door from the inside. She did not want to take a shower with Brian Knobs. I don't think anyone would. So neither no do one I can blame her. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So for this one, I'm going to let Lanny go first. This one, I, I have a feeling I know which way he's gonna lean on this one. But we are talking about the Superfly Jimmy Snuka, one of the uh, uh, you know one of the earliest high flower high flyers in the uh, expansion, the national expansion. Take it on one Macho Man Randy Savage himself. Well, you got to give Jimmy Snuka all the credit in the world. He climbed to the top of the cage, and he was able to splash down Morocco and. That inspired great talents like Mick Foley. And and it just amazed everybody. However, 
when it comes to showing up on time, being professional, giving the fans every possible thing they could, uh, never being high or drunk for a match, got to give it to the Macho Man. And he wrestled just as hard in Paducah, Kentucky, Scranton, Pennsylvania, as he did in Madison Square Garden. Because he didn't believe that just because you came from a small town, you weren't entitled to the best he could give you. So I'm going to say Macho Man Randy Savage. Plus, you know, of all the criticism he's had with, you know, Elizabeth and everything, at least he didn't kill his girlfriend. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for it to get brought up. <laughs> oh, oh, well, yeah, yep, well that, there it is. It's the first time it's happened on the show. Absolutely. But, uh, fantastic. Yes. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, this one for me, uh, I have a list that I can count on one hand uh, of the guys that I consider to be the best all around performers in the art of professional wrestling. And Randy Savage is on that that small hand of people. So um, as much as I love the cage dive and 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 uh, Superfly did a uh, Candace got to work with him and he was so wonderful to her you know at that point he was way later on in his years and he could barely walk but every time she came into the room he stood up to greet her and and whatnot so uh i i appreciate superfly for that but uh randy savage is gonna hard it's gonna be hard for anyone to beat the macho man for me in this bracket so ronald yeah absolutely and it doesn't matter who our guest is the uh macho man is going to move on from especially this match, you know, Superfly had some moments, but he's another he's a guy that I had to go back and like watch. Uh, Macho Man was a fixture in my uh, my, my young life, and uh, he still remains to this day. Like I, his matches still hold up. You know, he gets a lot of uh, I, I hear a lot of podcast criticisms of the fact that his match with Steamboat was written out, and even if that were true, uh, you know, I don't mind it because I my argument still stands some of the greatest songs in the world were written. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Now, this, okay, let me just interrupt. Absolutely. They want to call it in the ring, right? Right. Okay, we see you talking in the ring. We see <laughs> you. Okay? Let so, them know. Um, so let's just be honest here. One tackle, drop down, hip tossed, arm drag. And uh, then, you, then they go do it. And then you go into another rest hold. He didn't want that. He wanted to show supreme athleticism and no talking in the ring. And uh, that was to keep uh, that was to keep the fans involved in what might be, God forbid, a contest. <laughs> yes. So, right. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, all these people that he's been gone 11 years and you're pointing your finger, not you guys, you're pointing their They are pointing their finger that that's a bad thing to um, no, listen, he had, he had, um, Ricky Steamboat, who was a tremendous athlete and they got in the ring unselfishly and compare it to the Montreal screw job based on selfishness. Randy dropped the, Randy dropped the belt in the middle of the ring. He wasn't interested in winning. He was interested in popping the roof off the building. And did he? with unselfishness in his heart. Okay. So um, anyway, if that makes you feel like uh, better about yourself to go back and <laughs> criticize somebody 
from a 1987, then I see that you need a psychiatrist. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And the match is only on every credible person's top 10 list of best matches ever. So I think it worked out for them, <laughs> even if it was written down. I, I don't care about the whole written down, because like I said, even the best songs in the world were written. You know, Queen can't go and call on the stage Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> All right. Anywhere the wind blows doesn't really matter to me. Uh, to me. Yes. <laughs> All right. Those, now, are lyrics. Next... Those are lyrics, Cole. Yes, I'm very familiar with Bohemian Rhapsody, Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the chorus, uh, two years ago, we did a Queen medley. So it was fantastic. I, uh, I love Queen. They're great. <laughs> so, all right. Next matchup, Rock and Roll Express taking on Barry Windham. Ronald. Man, I thought you were going to say Barry Horowitz. <laughs> oh, see, now these are both these are both uh, entities from before my fandom, you know, but the, I definitely have gone back and watched uh, a plethora of their work. And for me... I think just because of the massive, the the big money drawing feud between the two tag teams and how much praise it gets, and everything I've seen, I got to go rock and roll just because their their feud with the Midnight is still talked about amongst the community of wrestlers today. Yeah, Barry Windham for me is one of those. He is quite frequently mentioned as one of the best workers of the '80s, if not the best bell to bell performers. That is. And I just, the handful of Barry Windham matches I've seen has never gripped me in a way to make me want to do a deep dive. Uh, whereas r watching Ricky Morton sell and sell and sell, and then finally just by the skin of his teeth making that hot tag, um, it's some of the most interesting and intriguing wrestling you've ever seen in your life. So for me, it's Rock and Roll Express. For me, it's Rock and Roll Express. All right. We're all in agreement. So this one should be fun. Moving on to the right side of the bracket. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, taking on one genius, Lanny Poffo. Whoa. Let me interrupt you. Please. Let's make it unanimous and give it to Ric Flair. <laughs> I vote for all three of you. Let's not embarrass me on my own show. Ric Flair, I do not knock success. He was always nice to me, and um, I have nothing but respect. Um, and I'm one of the few people that didn't criticize his final match. I thought it was, um, if that's what he wanted to do, beautiful. Um, so I don't knock success, and uh, there are things about me that um, that I would put against anybody. But in this particular case, with the rules that you have set out, it is unanimous, all three of us. I'm taking away any embarrassment you might feel. Let's all vote for Ric Flair. And I can't make this noise, but I would say, woo. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. This was going to be our opportunity to put you over, sir. And, uh, you know, I, I, for one... I will. Even... I refuse. I refuse <laughs> not to do a job on this one. <laughs> well, we will definitely allow you to uh, be unselfish here and uh, put over the nature boy. But uh, yeah, for me, uh, if you put me against Barry Horowitz, then I have to vote for myself. 
<laughs> we would as well. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, my fandom, when I first discovered wrestling on TV, uh, the Beverly Brothers were uh, starting on their journey in WWE. So I very much enjoyed Lanny Poffo as a child. That wasn't something I had to go back and watch. You know, and, and so I, I loved managers, especially heel managers. And uh, I love the poems and all that stuff. So it is something I really did enjoy as a kid. Um, but I mean, yes, Ric Flair was is, you know, right there considered by many to be the greatest of all time. Um, so we won't fight with you. I'm not disputing that. But when you talk about the Beverly Brothers, the final match that I was with them the, of the big ones was SummerSlam in Wembley, Wembley um, Stadium. And uh, I did a poem that night, um, and I did it without Google. We didn't have Google then. But I just <laughs> took a walk, found a plaque, and I said, wow, this is, I read about all the uh, fame and, uh, that went into Wembley Stadium in near London, England. And I said, from the home of the Olympic Games of 1948 to the World Cup of 1966, I know the date. Now it's SummerSlam at Wembley, and the genius holds the key. Behold, the future champions, the brothers Beverly. And, of course, we went out there and promptly lost to uh, <laughs> Typhoon and Earthquake. But the thing is, you're supposed to go out there with tremendous competence. And um, what I didn't like about the Beverly brothers is when they would take their um, – they would do those um, matches – like King Kong Bundy versus Irving, the bedridden Jew. Mm -hmm. You know, you know these lopsided matches yes. where you know who's going to win before the show. Okay, they would take a guy in a back body drop, grab him by the hair, and power drive him into the into the mat. And I thought that was immoral, disgusting. And uh, if I were a job guy at the time, there's no way I would have taken that. I would have refused. You do not get do overs with your spinal cord, Mister. No. And if if they're so good at it, how come they didn't do it against the Legion of Doom? How uh. come they didn't do it against Tugboat <laughs> and Typhoon? You know, and uh, all those all those uh, people, because they treated the job guy like like he wasn't human. You know, and uh, I just couldn't put up with that. If I were going to put them over, I would say, well, get somebody else to do it, because I'm not. My spinal cord is worth more than whatever they're paying. Absolutely. 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 So, you know, I guess it's just time for me to vote out of this one then. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, yes, Ric Flair is probably the tippy top as far as like everyone's go to for the 80s. Like he is, you know, he's the 17 time world champion. It's actually 21. But, you know, according to according to the McMahons, it's 17. But, you know, if I can just if I could just point I can just point your attention to to this photo, Mister Mister Mr. Popo. <laughs> this uh, this was a this was a great day. This was the day we all met, and this is the day that you mentored us and gave us so much advice, and we all took it in stride, and we loved every second of it. And that was such a beautiful day because you passed down your knowledge and you passed out your advice, and we all took it and we all loved it and appreciated it until today oh. because <laughs> I am playing my Darso. Oh, no. <laughs> And we're getting Ric Flair out of this bracket because I can, good conscience, let you be so humble to eliminate yourself, sir. 
Uh, you're going to be moving on to the second round, and I love the smile on your face. I know you want to. I know you want to crucify me right now, but uh, no, I don't care. We're just gonna. <laughs> we're, we're just gonna. You're just gonna let this happen because it's my show, pal. Oh, uh, we met in Alpine in 2008. This is where you met uh, Candice LeRae for the first time. It was. Uh, it was a wonderful day. Uh, you. Uh, you. You really put over my forearms, and uh, as you can tell from that picture, I was about 200 pounds, 250 pounds heavier. Uh, so How did I, you lose it? Uh, well, initially, I got uh, uh, bariatric surgery in 2012, but then I rapidly gained it all back uh, just because, you know, you can't fix the fat kid in your brain uh, is what I found out the hard way. And so about a couple years ago when COVID really hit, I built a gym in my garage and just hiked every week and um i am the man you see today yes well Half that's the man, really great literally and, you know, in uh in october i will have been in ecuador two years and i have lost 40 pounds just living here um something's wrong with the food in the united states and the food and drug administration uh is probably corrupt yeah i i would agree it's all yeah, absolutely it, it's all way too delicious and way too chemically. Yeah. Yeah, and they make it so you're still hungry. Yeah. I'm hungry. Uh, but now. I'll tell you what. Um, I I fell in love with Candace LeRae about ten seconds before I met her. You know, and uh, she's just phenomenal, and uh, I'm so glad that everything's happening positive in her life. And um, what what advice did I give to you that uh, that you remember? Protect my size. And that's something that was drilled into me for a while. Uh, and I always kind of ignored it just because I wanted to have like the fun match. And I was kind of ignorant to that. But you told me to protect my size. And and I've, I I kind of took that in stride and uh, went <laughs> and really protected my size and wrestled like a big man a little bit more from then on then. How big are you? How big were you then? How tall? Uh, tall, uh, pushing six foot. Uh, so not really vertically awesome, but uh, horizontally amazing <laughs> yes ron ron at one point was somewhere in the neighborhood of 550 pounds and he is currently have you made have you broke 250 yet i am under 250 wow uh, this is the, this, this is the same show sir uh, if uh you did fall in love with candace LeRae that day but i was her partner <laughs> that day so it shows how rememberable i am but it's okay it was only 14 <laughs> years ago so yeah. <laughs> well, I if I was going to wrestle you that night, I hope you would sell my bear hug. Oh, absolutely. I would absolutely sell kidding. your bear hug. I'm, I'm kidding. Of course not. But, uh, you know, the thing is, um, health is everything, you know, and uh, I believe, see, everybody thinks pleasure, power, and possession. Ric Flair was pleasure, power, and possession. I was health, wealth, and freedom. And uh, I am, I don't want to talk religion, but I am a born-again bachelor. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that I'm using All it. All right. Well, I, I, I hope I don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you may use it, yes. Happily married. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, both of us. Uh, so, yeah, so far, I'm, I'm just about to reach the 16-year mark with my wife. So, All right. And let me hear it all together now. Yes, dear. Yes, dear, yes, is dear. correct. <laughs> All right. So with the Darso in effect, Lanny Poffa moving on to the second round over in the Nature Boy Rick Flair. <laughs> 
Ronald does not care about the integrities of these brackets one bit. So I had moving to re- on. I had to reintroduce myself to Mr. Pafo in the best way and really show him what these brackets are all about. So well, now- from the from the looks of you, you did not protect your size. No. <laughs> no. All right. The Legion of Doom, Road Warriors, taking on one Arn Anderson. Ronald. Okay. So I mean, this one's <laughs> tough because how do you argue against the Road Warriors in the 80s? Um, but Arn Anderson, he was part of the Horsemen. So does his contributions to the Horsemen outweigh the crazy overness that is the entity of the Legion of Doom? Like, that's the argument that's got to be talked about. You know, that's we still they still call it a road warrior pop to this day. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know what? You convinced me even further. So, you know, Arn, when it comes to your spot, it's not in this bracket and it's going to be the Legion of Doom moving on for me. Awesome. Well, for me, it's Arn Anderson, because, again, I've always loved the very technically sound heels. Uh, Arn Anderson is a man after my own heart. And another guy, I think his every aspect of his game is slightly underrated. Great promo, great in-ring worker, um, and I, I loved LOD as a kid. I even was Hawk at uh, Halloween time one year, and I had the shoulder pads and everything. But uh, Arn Anderson will be moving on for me, so we need a deciding vote from Lanny. Hey, the best worker of the three is Arn Anderson. Everybody knows that. However, um, I'm in Quito downtown, so you have noise out here. Um, yeah, Arn is the better worker by far, but the name of this game is Ticket Sales, and uh, if I were a betting man, which I am not, I would bet on the Legion of Doom to draw the money for me. All right, I'm not mad at it. I'm not going to use my Darso for that one. Oh, that All would right. be a, that would be a rush. <laughs> God dang it, Ron! Thanks. All right. All right, now this one is this one is going to be uh, interesting because I'm pretty sure Ron has not seen enough Nick Bockwinkle to really under, understand and appreciate the man, especially when he's taken on Tiger Mask. So I will go first on this one. Um, I love Tiger Mask. Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid was one of the first uh, you know tapes that I had when I started tape trading, and I watched all four hours of all their matches, and it's incredible. But I think Nick Bockwinkle is one of those guys that it, just the fact that he was in the AWA and never really on the national shows, he doesn't get the love that he deserves. I think he's maybe just one little baby step below like Ric Flair and, and those kind and you know, the Randy Savages of the world. But I love Nick Bockwinkle. His promos, while aren't they're not big, fiery promos, they're brilliant. He's a well-spoken man. And he's just incredible in the ring. So I've got Bockwinkle. Ronald? I'll go Bockwinkle as well, just because when it comes to when it comes to people uh, recommending me people to go back and watch, I've always heard Nick Bockwinkle's name because he he was like he was a perfect poster boy for realism. Like, you know, he didn't he wasn't the yelling into the camera. He like fought the way he would fight. He would talk the way he would talk. It's just he he's one of those guys that was like the blueprints of like realism back then. And, you know, Tiger Mask and uh, the Dynamite Kid matches, they're like historic folklore as far as bell to bell in ring goes. 
But as far as like, if we're going to go back to the money drawing conversation again, it's got to go to Bockwinkle, wouldn't it? I would think so. Lanny? Okay. I've been accused of inventing the moonsault. And what I say is, I invented the moonsault right after I saw the match between Tiger Mask and the Dynamite Kid. <laughs> That's when I went about inventing the moonsaults, okay? And so what I'm trying to tell you is um, I fell in love with that match, Tiger Mask against the Dynamite Kid. However, wrestling is always concerned with authenticity. And when Nick Bockwinkle walked into a room it didn't matter who was in the room he outclassed everybody and it didn't have to be a group of wrestlers his hair was meticulous he had a shine on his shoes you could cut your hand on the crease in his pants he was an ambassador for wrestling he held the championship with pride and honor and i would have to go with nick bobwinkle even though I stole as much as I could steal from Tiger Mask. <laughs> awesome. That's a great story. Oh, man. We're getting great content today, Ronald. All right. Abdullah the Butcher and Ravishing Rick Rude. Now, Abdullah the Butcher is legendary in our brackets. He always seems to find his way deeper in these brackets than one might think. But I think today he might be, he might have met his match. So Ronald, Rick Rude, or Abdullah the Butcher? Yeah, enough forking around. We're we're gonna we're gonna get down to brass tacks here. I I think Rick Rude. Uh, I I I love going back and watching his stuff. Like the 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 airbrush tights is amazing. And I'm trying to like picture this feud and this match happening. Can you imagine if Rick Rude airbrushed Abby on his tights? <laughs> or like a or like a fork, like where his junk is. <laughs> like like yeah, like poke this. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> enough of my creativity. I'm a uh, short answer. I'm going Rick Rude. All right, Lanny. I'm going to have to go with Rick Rude. All right, and I will make it unanimous. Ravishing Rick Rude. Sorry, Abby. This will be the first time you're not in the final eight of a bracket that he's participated in. So, Andre the Giant taking on maybe the mo the most legendary wrestler. From Puerto Rico, Carlos Colon. Ronald. I mean, Andre, like, like not only the 80s, but the 70s too. <laughs> 70s. <laughs> yeah. Probably today, even. <laughs> you know, like undefeated for 15 years. Like the I I recently I watched the Goldberg documentary. They're like, oh, that streak had never been done before. Um, yeah, it was. And for like 15 years straight. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. Andre is the definition of wrestling box office. Always has, always will be. Got to go, Andre. Love Carlos Colon. But yeah, uh, he's against yeah. Andre. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Carlos Colon is one of those great fiery baby faces. He had that, just that great baby face fire. When he fired a comeback, the crowd would just erupt with him. Um, and he's fantastic to watch. If you guys want to learn how to be a baby face, I say go do that. But Andre the Giant... Uh, not only drew 93,000 people to the Silver Dome, they did 30 million viewers when he wrestled Hulk Hogan on Saturday night, or, or the main event, the main event. 30 million viewers on national television. So, uh, yeah, easy call for me, Andre the Giant. 
Okay, um, what a lot of people don't realize, especially the young people that remember Andre in the 80s, you should have seen him in the 70s. Yeah. Because he could actually, he could have been a, he could have been the greatest if he was five foot ten. Yeah. But then as the years piled on and he gained weight, he had a bad back and he got older. Of course, he wasn't the man that he used to be. But in the 70s, he was the man. And um, I have to go with Andre the Giant. Uh, Carlos, good for him. Fiery baby face. But there's a hundred of them. There's only one Andre the Giant. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, moving on to Bruiser Brody. Another legendary figure in our brackets. And Antonio Inoki. Lanny, you want to take this one first? I'm going to have to go with Bruiser Brody. All right, Ronald. I'll go with Bruiser Brody as well. Uh, you know, as much as we like to have fun with Cole here, he's a big Brody <laughs> fan. And uh, I, uh, I, I'd i like to do my part to eliminate Brody just to spite him. But, you know, I uh, out of these two, you know, again, going back to the realism uh, argument, you know, Inoki is... Anoki is very good at, at realism. Boy, look up uh, his match against the great Antonio for that one. Uh, <laughs> but Brody just brought that intensity every single night and was just like a grimy, vicious, scary human being. Whereas Anoki just had that movie star good looks and then brought it in the ring when the bell rang. But for me, personal taste, the, the type of stuff that I want to watch, I'm leaning towards Brody. Yeah, I, for me, it's Brody all day. He's one of the most real, authentic professional wrestlers that's ever been. You think he, you're not sure if he's insane or not. And uh, he, he, you know, flying off the off the ropes with the knees and everything he did, uh, just way ahead of his time. And I really wish that tragedy never happened. So because he's one of those guys that he just doesn't have enough stuff on national television that he his you know that that his he gets to live on for years and years so it's got to be guys like me digging up stuff but he's absolutely incredible and uh he made Lex Luger just leave one night so <laughs> uh Bruiser Brody unanimously moving on this is this this matchup might be the toughest matchup of the first round Harley Race taking on Jake the Snake Roberts um Boy, I don't know how I feel about this one, Ronald. I mean, yes, I understand how how this would be a tough one, and I, but I just got to go with my personal fandom of what I've seen the most. And yes, Harley Race is somebody that I've gone back and watched. And yes, I understand the legendary status. And my introduction to him was him managing Vader, but my introduction to Jake was during his like maybe Twilight era in his you know in his career uh, in the in the late 90s but I loved it so much that it made me go back and watch more whereas I went back and watched Harley after I got into the business so for that I think is enough to sway me to Jake all right I might need another minute to think about this one so Lanny well would it amaze you to hear that I'm older than Jake Roberts. Look at me and look at him. <laughs> Correct. You tell me who looks better. Yeah, I, yes. I'm pretty sure you lived a cleaner <laughs> for a longer period. You made of time. better decisions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. However, 
when you talk about the gimmick, the interview, and the work, Jake Roberts had it all together. However, I'm still going to have to go with Harley Race because you're talking about one of the all-time greats there. And not that Jake Roberts wasn't. It's just that um, when Harley Race, when you talk about champions, everybody takes their hat off to Harley Race. Absolutely. And I, I did hear you in a shoot interview one time talking about uh, how Harley Race made you, you know, he, he was able to elevate everyone that he was in the ring with and make them better well, on any given you, night. You ever heard of the expression, the blind leading the blind? Yes. At least, you know, this genius gimmick, I'm not a genius, but I was smart enough to know that Harley Race called the match. <laughs> and if I said a word, it was, what was that? Or tell me that again. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, in other words, I wouldn't dare tell Harley Race anything. I would listen to Harley Race. And I felt, and I felt the same for Jake Roberts. And we, we had excellent matches because I knew to cooperate with the people that were better than me, more experienced. Jake Roberts is a brilliant man. And um, unfortunately, his life choices, you know, you are what you are. But uh, don't ever take away anything from Jake Roberts in the ring. And I'm sure if he's listening, he wouldn't mind me saying that Harley Race is the correct answer to your question. Well, I believe you have swayed me, sir. I love Harley. I think uh, when we talk about realism in professional wrestling, uh, it doesn't get any realer than Harley Race. This man has survived boat wrecks, car crashes, uh, and everything, and never took a day off. But and Jake has <laughs> survived being Jake. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> there is that. But uh, I, for me, I think this is Harley Race moving on to the next round, especially if we're talking about the entire 80s. decade of the 80s. Yes. So, our final matchup for this part one episode here, the legendary Terry Funk taking on Magnum T.A. Now, for those of you, you know, like Ron and I, who weren't fans until the early 90s, just because we were eight, um, a lot of us don't understand how big and how over Magnum TA got right before his unfortunate car accident. There was really a thought in the business, at least from what everyone says now that we go back and listen to all these podcasts, that Magnum TA was about to be on the, you know, near the level of a Hulk Hogan. And then he had his car accident. Um, so it's great to talk about him and put him over and I implore people to go and find some Magnum TA, but for me, Terry Funk is one of my, you know, he's on that list, that five fingers of my favorite, you know, the guys I think are the greatest professional wrestlers of all time on the mic believability in the ring. So for me, it's Terry Funk. Yes. Um, Magnum TA is one of those, the, those biggest what ifs, uh, stories in wrestling. Like, you know, if he just, like, not gotten that accident, what could have been? I've heard that just from just about anybody who's credible, either on podcast or just in person. But he's up against Terry Funk. And, you know, he's another guy that transcends the 80s. He, he goes even back further. Yeah. And, you know, you want to talk about realism. You said it yourself. You know, he's 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 one of those guys that you have to question, like, is he crazy? And, and like we joke about it nowadays, you know, uh, especially you know with the whole Ric Flair's last match, is he really retired? 
you never know. You yeah. never know when these guys are just going to just lace them up again. And Terry's had like 60 retirements and no one cared at all. Every time he did it, they all went to go see it just because Terry Funk forever. All right, Lanny. Well, I love Magnum TA and uh, it's terrible what happened to him. Uh, he was going to the very top and deserved it. And nobody can question that. But in my opinion, in the 70s, Terry Funk was the greatest of them all. Okay, and then, and then he got older in the 80s and even in the 90s and the 2000s, you know, but he refused to let go. And he, uh, but in my opinion, I have to go with Terry Funk. Sorry, Magnum. But uh, Terry Funk, oh, by God, you know, and um, yeah, it's got to be Terry Funk. All right. Well, gentlemen, we have reached the end of part one of this episode. Uh, So we will be back for the listeners next week with part two. Thanks for being with us, Lanny, and joining us for part two. Uh, Ron, do you have any closing thoughts before I close the show and we move for, you know, part one? Oh, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I look forward to talk to you again next week, Lanny. And uh, I'm sorry that I moved you on via the Darso. You know, I just, uh, it was part of my plan the whole time. I didn't know you were going up against Ric Flair. Uh, but, you know, I think that just made the content even more uh, fun. Well, I'm not a jet flying, wheeling, dealing, kiss dealing son of a gun. But um, just a little bit of a cheap plug. Um, I would like to say that... Uh, I'm still on Cameo, and I will wish you a happy birthday, a Merry Christmas, and for $50, I'll tell you anything you want to hear. (laughs) That is fantastic. Anything? (laughs) 50 bucks will get you anything. I'm I'm a cheap whore. I'm there. (laughs) I'm a whore. Well, on that note, we're not going to top that for this week. So, for Ron Kilborn and our guest, Lanny Poffo, I am Cole Dawson saying thank you. We love you, and good night. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod, or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130, and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.